You're listening to Oak Park Podcast. And now, here's your host, Matt Murray. When it comes to Oak Park, Dan Haley has pretty much seen it all. As the editor and publisher of Wednesday Journal, the Oak Park native has watched up close the evolution of our village during the past half century. He's also chronicled these changes in his local newspaper of record. He's quick to admit that it hasn't always been easy. First, the newspaper business requires a strong stomach, even under the best of circumstances. And from the beginning, his paper's pages also have never shied away from tough, important issues like race that usually go uncovered by community press. He's had his detractors over the years and the scars to prove it. Today, he continues to relish the role of provocateur-in-chief on downtown development and any number of local hot-button issues. I recently sat down with him in his office to discuss, among other things, why he thinks Oak Park needs to change more, not less. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And um, I grew up here when it was a, a white, conservative town. Great town, great place to be a kid. It had a lot of economic diversity, which, you know, I don't think I recognized when I was 12, but it was very cool. So, you know, when I, on my block on South Taylor, we had doctors and lawyers and house painters and, you know, NICOR ditch diggers, uh, had a cop. So I don't think I understood that was unusual. Um, but it had no other diversity. And so as I was going through my high school years and watching Oak Park face up to integration, um, I was just totally fascinated by this. And uh, when I was a boy, Oak Park and Austin were the sister communities. River mm-hmm. Forest was, you know, highfalutin, snooty-nosed, and we all kind of uh, made faces um, but Oak Park in Austin is where you went back and forth, and that's where your relatives lived and uh, where you bought uh, liquor. And um, So watching Austin change racially mm-hmm. and the West Side change racially and all of the assumptions that Oak Park was inevitably going to change racially and rapidly and that Oak Park began in the 70s to try to say, what are the alternatives here? Is there a way for that not to happen? Right. I just found it totally fascinating, right? And I wanted to write about it. What in your in your mind? What was sort of the impetus for that? Was it you know sort of the the holdover from the progressive movement you know of the previous decade? Was it a purely response to what was going on in the immediate communities around us? Something larger or something else, perhaps? Well, I think it was complicated, um, as all of these things are. And I think that Oak Park gets enormous credit for trying to figure out a path Mm -hmm. because this is not a natural phenomenon. It doesn't happen uh, then or now very readily. Integration, racial integration. Um, But in Oak Park, there were some truly remarkable visionary people. But I think that sometimes what gets forgotten, I think a lot of it, I think much of this gets forgotten now, and I, I, I think it's important to talk about. But I think part of what is forgotten as we look back and kind of idealize that era 
is that there was an absolute element of self-interest in this. Sure. There were a lot of nice white people living in nice houses who didn't really want to move or didn't want to see their neighborhoods change. Um, and um, I think that's completely normal, natural, healthy instinct. But I think it was a piece of why Oak Park survived is that um, people wanted to stay in their community and try to build it. So that is why we started Wednesday Journal. That's why I was involved in starting Wednesday Journal is because I wanted a place to try to follow this story. I had no idea how the hell to run a business or how to sell ads, and I proved that in the first you know couple of years in business um, when we came so close to not making it. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to cover integration, um, and so that's that's where Wednesday Journal started. I had a couple of colleagues. Uh, all of us were young. Mm-hmm. We were in our early twenties, just out of school, basically. None of us came from money, and so the only way to do this, and I never really heard any other newspaper starting this way, it was to go out and sell these shares of stock. Sure, crazy. Um, the only requirement we had for shareholders was that they would never have anything to do with the editorial content. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was largely from the point of view, I'm sure it was ego on our part that we didn't want anyone telling us what to do. And partly it was like, well, how the hell would you have 60 people trying to exactly. determine who you endorse in an election? And and I think people were comfortable with that. You know, there were inevitably a few controversies over editorial decisions, but by and large it worked really well. And I think people saw pretty early that we were sincerely trying to uh, put together a, a quality, um, progressive, um, strong-voiced uh, newspaper. So what were some of the, the early scoops, you know, back in the, the early days of the paper? Well, I think we were, we were covering things that other papers just didn't really want to cover. Um, you know, the, the Pioneer paper at that time was much more of a society sheet and you know, all of the galas and the uh, that sort of um, movers and shakers. And then we didn't do any of that. Uh, so we just did a lot of the grinding stuff that you do in, in the community newspaper. Uh, we wrote about sewers and school boards and businesses opening, uh, high school sports, all those usual things. But we also um, looked at a lot of racial questions and um, um, dealt with that issue and to the point where I think there were certainly people in town who, who thought we were just obsessed and that we looked at everything through a racial prism to which my response was there is an element of race in everything that goes on in this town right and we see it and if you don't uh, you're not looking quite right had you guys, when you started the paper, had you articulated kind of an editorial mission for the publication, or was this something that sort of just evolved over time based on the, you know, the, the leadership of, of the newspaper? Um, I think the mission was that it had to be totally and completely local, uh, that we didn't want any recipes from, you know, the North Shore, we didn't want to run movie reviews, it had to be completely local, um, that we wanted to have a strong editorial page with a strong editorial position so you know we never wrote the memorial day editorial about god bless everyone and we never wrote the editorials that said you know on the one hand this but on the other hand that sure it was always the case where here's what we think and the other piece of it was that from the beginning we opened up our pages to all other 
opinions. Sure. Um, so we would run 10, 12, 14 pages of letters to the editor every week. Right. Because, you know, if we had a strong position, our view was anyone else who's got a position should be aired out too. So we really saw it as a community forum, and I, and we know that the letters pages were always the best read part of the paper. Was that in response to what you had seen? I know, I mean, it's my understanding at least that, you know, a lot of the community newspapers, I think it does tend to be a little bit maybe wishy-washy in oh, terms yeah. of taking a hard yeah. position because they don't want to offend you know, anyone yeah i mean particularly the advertisers that right. may you know may work right next door so yeah. i mean was that a conscious decision on your part oh it was yeah i mean what what is the fun of publishing a newspaper if you can't um get people's hackles up once in a while if you're not going to talk about real stuff why do it it's not because you're getting rich because no one's getting rich um so yeah it was a very conscious decision um and, you know, I'd also say that, you know, at the same time we had these 60 investors, we also had business entities in Oak Park who invested in our newspaper through advertising right? in a way that they did not have to do. Mm-hmm. And they obviously did it because they wanted this paper to survive. Years back there was at um, um, Lake and Marion, Oak Park Trust and Savings Bank, biggest independent bank. The ownership goes back to, you know, the Austin family, Austin Boulevard and Austin Park. Um, and the Austins bought two pages a week in Wednesday Journal. They had no reason to buy two pages a week in this newspaper. Sure. But they did it because, you know, that $20,000 a year they spent uh, kept us in business. Was there a moment at which in, in those early years that you knew that the paper was going to make it? When things would get really grim, I would, uh, in, in those days the paper was completely free. And we had no subscriptions and... Um, on a Wednesday when things were really tough and I was really tired, I would walk up the street to Eric's Deli, where we distributed the paper. And Eric's Deli in that moment was an incredibly popular restaurant. And I'd just sit there and watch everyone reading Wednesday Journal. And I thought, by God, we've actually connected with people. I think we're going to make it. Uh, that was always very gratifying. Sure, sure. Yeah. And then, you know, moving into the 90s, did the, did the paper change at all in, you know, in the decade that followed after you opened? Oh, the paper is, has changed perpetually. It's it's really I'm proud of the fact that we are we've grown um, in lots of dimensions, um, page size, um, quality of the journalism. I think has gotten better. Um, I think we've gotten better at representing more diverse voices. Mm-hmm. I think we've figured out that there are things to write about that um, you know aren't quite so cookie cutter that um, to to local journalism, Um, you know, for instance, in the last 10, 15 years, we started to write a lot about religion, um, which which newspapers have been really bad at over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, they write about, you know, maybe some political machination in the church, the Catholic church or um, whatever. We've written a lot more about faith and religion um, while keeping it extremely local. And I, I, we've had a couple of people who've done this writing for us, and I think it's just extremely compelling journalism. We had a point a um, long time ago now, 15 years ago, where we had, there was a, a preacher at Calvary Church on Lake Street, very fundamentalist Christian church, and then the uh, pastor at Grace Lutheran in River Forest, remarkable guy still around, Dean Luking, and they got into a discussion in our pages 
and it went on for weeks. <laughs> and they were writing back and forth in the letters pages. You know, most weeks one of them would be writing, and they were writing directly to each other. Sure. About uh, gays, about faith, about um, what what God meant to them. I I I couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was just uh, incredibly compelling uh, journalism, and incredibly small town journalism. Um, great stuff. So if you know if newspapers really are kind of writing the first draft mm-hmm. of history, um, you know over the thirty six years you know that you've been running this paper. What have some of your observations been in the community in terms of how's it's changed? I know you you talked a little bit about how it happened, um, you know, in those kind of those early years. What mm-hmm. are some of the changes maybe over the past decade or two that you've you've seen that that will become larger issues perhaps you know in the years to come? I think, um, you know, I'll go back again to race. Um, when Oak Park started to explore race, it was a white community. And there was a certain, um, an absolute certain level of white do-gooders saying, yes, black person, you can come and live in my town. You can live next door to me, it's okay. And um, everyone felt great and patted themselves on the back. And then a few years into this, we, and, and Wednesday Journal was you know, right in the middle of it, um, there was this kind of second wave moment as some of these black um, people started to aggregate and come into a position where they said, okay, we'd like to be on the school board. And we'd like to, you know, where, why are there no black principals in this town? And there was this pushback from the white community and this is, you know, broad brush stuff, uh, that was sort of like, you know, we, we let you come live with us. You know, we're not exactly, it's not exactly the same as sharing power. And so we covered that. Um, and I, I, I had uh, absolute moments of getting my consciousness slapped around mm-hmm. when it was like, okay, I, I, I get the difference here. And... Um, we had a guy who wrote for us named Jaslyn Salmon, who was the president of the NAACP branch in Oak Park, an organization that's come and gone in town. Um, and he would write these, what you'd look back now and say, that is a totally common sense piece of writing. And at the time, oh my God, it would just get people up in arms. What years are we talking about? I'm talking in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. Has that, has that largely been resolved? Um, yes and no. Oak Park has certainly had a lot of um, uh, black leadership in the community and on boards and, you know, black police chief and black school superintendents. Um, But I don't think it's resolved, and I don't know how it could be resolved in a town that still faces such giant um, equity issues in the schools. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't resolved it until we resolve that. Right. And I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying any other town in America has done it. Some places are ahead of Oak Park. Evanston, for instance, is doing better on academic achievement. Um, but until we really start to get a handle on that, I don't think we have done nearly what we need to do. What role do you think, um, you know, the, the development of the commercial district either on Madison or, mm-hmm. or downtown right now, what, what role is all of that going to play in what Oak Park looks like? 10 or 15 years from now? I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of development. I think Oak Park... 
Because not everyone is. No, right? no. I, mean, I have long arguments with my sister who lives in town, and she likes it the way it was physically. Um, uh, you know, I've watched out my office window as the Forest and Lake building has gone up, and I kind of look out every day and see another floor, and now I'm seeing glass go up the sides. Right. I think it's great. I think Oak Park needs to change more, not less. I think it needs to change for reasons of uh, redefining itself. I think there are economic issues that need um, to be part of that redefinition. Oak Park is a very unusual town. It is a suburb, and it is an extension of uh, an urban neighborhood. Right. And that makes it a very interesting place. And I give enormous credit to the mayor, the village president, um, Anan Abu Taleb, because he has somehow, and I don't really know how the hell he's done this, he has quieted the naysayers about development, up till now at least. Um, Oak Park had this, had 15 years of these endless stupid debates over particular buildings and wasted years of the, time. The Colt Building being the, one of them. The right? Colt Building, which is finally still going up, what I call the White Go Building on Harlem where Trader Joe's is, uh, about the butt ugliest building ever constructed because it was put through the sausage grinder of zoning and planning and took what was once a decent looking building and turned it into, you know, we've described as, you know, the Pravda building of Oak Park, this giant <laughs> concrete mess sitting there. Um, it's financially a real boon for Oak Park. Sure. And everyone loves Trader Joe's, but it is a hideous looking building. And so I like to see this building at Forest and Lake out my window, which I think is going to be a graceful, lovely, tall building. Right. And I think Oak Park could stand several more of those, and there some of them are coming. Um, development is good. Right now, I mean, right now we have this debate about Madison Street and this idea of, of curving the street to make room for a little more development. And it's like, that's an interesting idea. Right. Who says the street has to be straight? Sure. Um, well, it would it would confront one of the primary obstacles that Madison Street has, which is the lots are too narrow. Right. right? Yeah. The lots are too narrow. And that's why the car dealers all moved out 45 years ago, because they wanted to be in countryside where they could have, you know, six acres. Sure, sure. And you can't assemble six acres in Oak Park. Um, and as a result, Madison Street has sat empty, largely, for all these years. And now, you know, and love them and hate them, the comments on our website, oakpark.com, where we've got these people saying, you know, Madison's fine. And it's like, Madison is empty. What right. are you looking at? Right, right. How long can this corner... It must be a different Madison Street. must be a different Madison Street, but Oak Park and Madison looks empty to me. Um, so let's build something on it. Let's create some vibrancy. Let's create some more density. Mm -hmm. Density is okay. Oak Park is an urban community. Density is okay. Right. And you, you know, a couple years back, uh, if I'm not correct, you very publicly moved out of Oak Park. A year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you wrote about it in the pages of your newspaper. I did. Um, is that an issue? Because, I mean, that is kind of the conventional wisdom, right? The kids grow up. Um, the 100-plus-year-old the home becomes very difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, and everyone wants out. Yep. Yeah. The problem is, is that, you know, other than this building that we're in the shadow of right now, mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of great options. Mm -hmm. um, is that is that something that, that Oak Park needs to confront in, toward a, in, you know, in terms of creating this diverse community? Because I know one thing that someone mentioned to me once is diversity is not just about 
race right. Right. and economics. It's right. actually, you know, different types of dwellings for people in different periods of their lives and, and really creating a, a three-dimensional diverse community. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And Oak Park has not done a very good job of it. Um, you know, we were in this great, lovely, old, giant house on Humphrey and um, didn't need it. Couldn't right. afford to keep it up. Sure. And had every assumption we would move to a smaller house in Oak Park. And what we found was either the houses were a pit, you know, or they had been over upgraded to a point where, you know, there wasn't really um, much savings in moving to them. Sure. And so we wound up sliding right out the bottom of Oak Park into Berwyn, which still kind of stuns me as, you know, this guy who grew up. Uh, making fun of Berwyn that now I live there but it's okay and honestly people in town I, I was very nervous about this I, I remember I went to see multiple people to forewarn them that the, uh, the the great Oak Park newspaper booster was about to leave town and everyone was and, and everyone since then had been very gracious which I really appreciate um, but Oak Park needs more house, housing diversity Sure. It, it, it really does. Um, and a lot of the housing that you might consider step down is in the vintage older buildings, which don't work for people so well as they age. And so it's a challenge. So, you know, as a, as a resident of Berwyn now, yeah. is Berwyn going to be the new Forest Park? Um, Berwyn is a cool town. I like Berwyn. And, um, there's a lot going on there these there's days. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of economic development. Um, you know, spring has come and I am seeing nothing but dumpsters all over the streets of my neighborhood. Houses are getting rehabbed and I assume going to be sold. Um, and this is, this is the odd little secret. I now live, after all these years, I live in the most diverse neighborhood I've ever lived in. And that is, it's wonderful. I expected a lot of Hispanics and there are. I did not expect so many black people. I've got more black people living on my block than I ever had when I lived on the east side of Oak Park. Um, it's kind of the damnedest thing. Right. Yeah. Well, Berwyn, Berwyn's good. Um, well, Dan, thank you so much uh, for thank joining you. me. I really appreciate um, your time, and, uh, and thank you for inviting me into the newsroom. Thank you.